Okay, we're in 2 John and 3 John. And the uh, uh, title of my message this morning is Postcards from John, Walking in Truth. And, the, and I call it postcards because these are two small little letters from the Apostle John. There are uh, ver, uh, 13 verses, 2 John, 14 verses, uh, 3 John. But they're, they're little jewels of letters because they all throughout both little epistles, John is uh, a teaching about truth, walking in truth. We're going to see truth over and over and over again being talked about in these two little epistles. And it's important for us to walk in truth, by the way, because who is Jesus? He said, John 14, 6, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life, Right? No one comes to the Father except through me. And we follow a Savior that one of, the, one of the, the attributes of who he is is truth. He's the way and the truth. And so we as followers of Jesus need to be people that are walking in truth. And by the way, as we walk in truth, here's what happens. We walk in freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And as we walk in truth, we're going to be set free. Because we shall know the truth. And the truth sets you free, man. And if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. And one of the wonderful things about truth is as we put on that belt of truth and as we walk in truth and live in truth, we're not living in, in the bondage of deception and lies that keep us in darkness. We walk in the light because we walk in truth. And so I'm going to give you six principles from these two little epistles this morning that will help you be people of truth that walk in truth. And it's, it's, it's some great little jewels in here of walking in truth. So turn in your Bibles to, to uh, Second and Third John. We're almost to the end of the New Testament, by the way, because we already did the book of Revelation. So after we get through Second and Third John, we're going to do Jude uh, next week, and then we're going to start all over again. And go to the Gospels. I, I'm so excited about getting into the Gospels. I love red letter stuff in the Gospels. I love studying the life and the ministry and the teaching of Jesus. And that's going to start in two weeks. So put that on your radar. We'll start the, uh, with the Gospels again. So, postcards from John. Chapter uh, 1. Actually, there's only one chapter in both of these books. Second John, uh, verse 1. If you're there, say amen. Here we go. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in what? There it is, truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. For the sake of the truth. You see the theme there? Which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. And I was very glad to find some of your children walking in, there it is again, truth. Just as we have received commandment to do from the Father. Now, little background on this letter. Apostle John, author. Apostle John, probably either in his 80s or 90s by the time he was writing these epistles. We know that the scholars tell us that this was written right around the late 80s, maybe 85 AD. This is about 30 years after the cross. Uh, no, excuse me, 60 years after the cross. So this is way past the time of the cross. The apostle John is the last remaining uh, apostle who has not been martyred. All the other apostles off the scene. And the apostle John is an elderly man is writing this to the churches. And he's teaching them about truth, the importance of truth. Interesting, right after this, after writing second, first, second, third John, he's exiled to the island of Patmos. And at Patmos, he gets the book of Revelation through the Spirit, giving him a vision. 
So this is previous to the book of Revelation, but just a few years later, he'll be exiled to the island of Patmos because they tried to martyr him too. And the Roman emperor Domitian tried to kill him by putting him in a pot of boiling oil. And he, he just like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego, he comes out of the oil and he's unscathed because another was in the fire of that boiling oil with him, and it was Jesus Christ. And Jesus still had to give John the book of Revelation. So that's a little background on this book. And now let's look at those verses again. He says, the elder. Who's the elder? It's John. And he's elder in regards, he's old, but he's also an elder in regards, he's a leader in the church. Elder is, was one of the uh, synonymous terms with pastor, with overseer, with even bishop within the New Testament. And it's to the chosen lady and her children. Now, some people are trying to figure out, what's, who's this chosen lady? What's her name? Well, I think personally, a lot of scholars believe this also, the chosen lady is probably the church that he's writing to. Because what is the church? It's the bride of Christ. And also going to the end of the book, it says this, verse 13, the end of the epistle, it says, the children of your chosen sister greet you. See what he's saying there? The, the church where I'm at, which is the chosen sister of the, of the uh, chosen lady, See this, how it's going back and forth from one church to another church is what he's saying there. So I think the chosen lady and her children are probably the spiritual children within the chosen lady, which is the bride of Christ, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also who, who know the truth. Do you see that? There's a love there between people that are in truth. Have you noticed that? Have you ever met a Christian that you never met before, like on an airplane or in another city when you're traveling, and just after talking with them because they're in the truth and you're in the truth, there's this bond? You know why there's a bond? Because you're a brother or sister in Christ with them. And there's an affinity there, there's a love there, because you, you, you serve the same Savior and you believe the same truth, and that, that, that's the truth of Jesus Christ. And that bonds us together. And that happens in this church, too, by the way. We all do, there's 800 people that come here on Sunday mornings, uh, approximately, and, and we, we can't know 800 people. But as we meet one another, there should be a love and an affinity with one another because we're a part of the same truth, right? And also, we're a part of the same family, the family of Christ. So those who know the truth, there's a love there that John's talking about. And he says, and for the sake of the truth, no, notice what truth does. That truth abides in us and will be with us forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. But my word, this right here, the truth of God's word will never pass away. It's eternal. And I like what he says in verse 3 too. He says, grace, mercy, and peace will, will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. You know, oftentimes Paul would address the churches he was writing to, grace and peace. But now, also, John throws in mercy. Mercy. Now, what's the difference between grace and mercy? Grace is undeserved, unmerited favor from God. It's what God gives us even though we don't deserve it. Mercy is different. Mercy is not giving the punishment we do deserve. It's, it's, it's taking away the punishment we deserve, which is hell. Every single human being, because of their sin, deserves hell. But Jesus showed us mercy because he took away the punishment by taking the punishment for us on the cross. The just for the unjust in order to bring us to God is what he did on the cross. And that's why we get mercy. And notice... 
Grace and mercy, when it's given to us, will produce peace. What's peace? Serenity of soul. It's a rest for the soul. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Jesus said, I'll give you rest. If you're restless, just go to Jesus, and he'll give you peace. But you can't have that serenity of soul, that peace, until you have the grace and the mercy. You notice there's a lot of restless people in our culture right now? They're restless because of the panic of the last year, of the pandemic, and I get that. There's a lot of chaos in our culture the last year. But listen, rest is not going to be found in solving the pandemic. Rest is going to be found in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And when you enter his grace and his mercy, he'll bring you peace. And then it says the source of that grace, mercy, and peace is God the Father, and it's from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. And I was very glad, notice what he says, to find some of your children, spiritual children, walking in truth, just as we receive commandments to do from the Father. Now, here's the first principle for truth. If we're going to be people who walk in truth, it starts with, there's three things there. It starts with being people who know the truth. You can't walk in truth until you know it. Why do we do so many Bible studies here at Calvary Chapel? Because we want you to know the truth. The word know there, interesting, gnosko, it means to know intimately and experientially. And as you get into God's word and you learn God's word, you get to experience truth and you get to an intimate knowledge of truth through the word of God. You got to know it. Because your belief will determine your behavior. Wrong beliefs lead to, lead to wrong behavior. Don't ever let anybody tell you that studying God's word is not important. And Bible studies are not important. Because if you want to walk in truth, you've got to be people that know the truth. And then it also says we need to be people that abide in truth. Interesting what it's saying there. Abide is dwell. It means to be, to be at home with. It means to... Be, be abiding in truth where it becomes a part of your DNA. And the more you get to know God's word and the more you spend time abiding in God's word, here's what happens. It becomes a part of who you are. It becomes a part of not only your belief system, it becomes a part of, 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 of just taking root in your life. And it's wonderful as you meditate on God's word day and night. It says you become like a tree planted by streams of water. Your leaf won't wither and whatever you do will prosper because you're getting soaked in God's word. It's abiding in you and you're abiding in it. And then it says after you know, after you abide, then you start walking in it. What, is it, what do you do when you're walking? You're taking a steps in a direction. And as you walk in God's word, you go in the direction of God's word, it says in Psalm 119, 105, it says that, that God's word starts becoming a lamp under your feet and what? A light under your path. And it starts helping you go in the right direction instead of the wrong direction. But that's all a process. You've got to get to know God's word, and then you start abiding in it, and it starts becoming a home and a part of your DNA. And I like what Hebrews 5.14 says, as you allow it to become a part of your DNA, the solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. What happens is you start learning God's word and knowing God's word and abiding in God's word, walking in God's word. Your very senses start getting trained. This is the way to go Walk in it. Go in that direction. It changes your life. We're doing a Bible study now at U-Turn. On Tuesday mornings, I'm leading a Bible study. It's on Tony Evans' new book called U-Turns. 
By the way, you want a good read? You want to learn more about walking in truth, abiding in truth, and living in truth? Read his book, U-Turns. It's appropriate, too, because the name of our ministry is U-Turns, and then the guy writes a book called U-Turns. So I had to study that with our guys. But it's so good, I'm studying it with our whole staff. It's our book of the next six weeks as a staff. We read a book together as staff, and we discuss it every Wednesday morning at staff meeting. And I'm, I'm, double, I'm double dipping. I'm doing a Bible study with it on U-Turn for Tuesday, and I'm doing staff meeting on Wednesday with this book called U-Turns. And I love it because it's all talking about, Tony Evans talks about, he says, repentance is, is the key. Repentance is the key to living in God's favor. You want to live in God's favor and God's blessing in your life, you better be a person of repentance and what's repentance? It's when you get off of truth, you stop walking in truth, you turn quick, and you get off the exit, and you repent, and at the exit, you meet God's grace and mercy, and you start going a different direction where you're walking in truth again. That's the key right there. And the key is when we start going off not walking in truth, we use that master key of repentance, and we get off the exit and we go back in the right direction of walking in truth. And God's grace and mercy will meet us at that axis. But let's, let's do the U-turn and get back in walking in truth. Amen? Amen. We learned that in 1 John. 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. Will forgive us our sins. Cleanse us from all righteousness. It's, we're all going to make mistakes. But the righteous man falls seven times and he rises again. We get off the exit and we get back to walking in truth. Because we're people that know the truth, abide in the truth, and Walk in the truth, go in the direction of truth. Amen? And then let's go on. Verse 5. And now I ask you, lady, again, I think ladies the church, not as right into a new commandment, but the one which we've had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. That we, here it is again. We walk, we go in the direction, step by step, according to his commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. Now, the second principle here for walking in truth is be people who not only walk in truth, but walk in love. You go in the direction of love. Love and truth, synonymous in the Christian life. If you're living in love, you're going to live in truth. If you're not living in love, you're going to live in lies, in deception, in mistruths. I've seen it. I've seen marriages wrecked because people are not walking in truth and thus not walking in love. And I tell you what, when we walk in truth, we're walking in love. And also we're keeping God's commandments because, again, what's God's greatest commandment? Matthew 22, 37 to 40, Jesus asked, what's Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. This is the first and, force, first and foremost commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two laws depends all the law and the prophets. So if you want to walk in truth, we've got to walk in love. That's the, they're synonymous. They go together. And our greatest commandment is love. And 1 Corinthians 13 says, hey, if you don't love people, you're nothing. You're just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You're just giving people headaches. I've met way too many Christians that are like that. It's like, oh, praise the Lord, I love Jesus, but you hate people. I, I, you know, that doesn't go together. If you love Jesus, you're going to love people because 
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, for God is his love. So walk in love. That's the second principle for walking in truth is we've got to walk in love. And then he goes on, and now I ask you, lady, oops, verse 7, I'm sorry. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ is coming from the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you may not lose what we've accomplished, that you may receive a full reward. Now, we're not saved by what we do, but we're rewarded in heaven for what we do here on earth. And what he's warning there is don't be deceived by these false teachers because if you are, you can get derailed by mistruths and you'll lose your reward that you can get for serving here on earth. Again, my life first. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil in the Lord is not in vain. You know why it's not in vain? Heaven's watching. Everything we do here on earth, according to 1 Corinthians 3, is going to be revealed by a, 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 a burning fire, and we're going to be rewarded for those things in heaven for what we do for the kingdom uh, uh, on earth. We're going to be, those things we do on earth for God's kingdom will be rewarded in heaven. And that's another reason why we've got to walk in truth. We've got to walk in truth so we don't lose the reward. Hmm. Be people who's, I want you to see something here though too. Let's go on. It says, watch yourselves. You may not lose what we have accomplished that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides, see abiding again, abides in the teaching. He has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, don't receive him into your house. Don't give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Here John is addressing really the reason why he wrote this letter. There is false teachers infiltrated in the New Testament church. They're called Gnostics. And they were denying the incarnation of Jesus Christ. What's that? They were denying that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. They didn't believe that Jesus Christ as God actually was in the flesh because they believed that the flesh is evil. And so with Jesus, they would say in their teaching, was just a ghost. He was a phantom. He, they were saying, these Gnostics were saying, when Jesus came and walked with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee on the shore, he, he, all the disciples' footprints would be in the sand, but Jesus, there'd be no footprints because he was just a phantom. And, and what does John say here? That's false teaching. Now listen, false teaching, one of the chief characteristics of any false teacher is they deny who Jesus is. They deny that he is the God-man, that he is God in the flesh. They deny what John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the, John 1.14, and the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so what it's saying there, the key characteristic of false teachers is their Christology. What is that? Their theology about Christ. And when someone denies who Jesus Christ is, he says, don't have anything to do with them, and don't let them in your house. Pretty stern. So when those guys come with their bicycles and their black ties and white shirts, and they knock on your door, don't let them in your house. That's what it's saying, I believe. And why is that important? And that, by the way, that's Mormons, and I'll call it out because Mormons is a false teaching group because they deny that Jesus Christ is God. That's also Jehovah Witnesses, 
false teaching group. They deny that Jesus Christ is God. And if they're honest with you and you talk to them at your door, ask them, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God? And if they're honest with you, they'll say, no, our belief system is not that Jesus Christ is God. He's just a created being like we're created beings. That's false teaching. That's improper uh, Christology about who Jesus Christ is. And we are not to even let them in our house. Now, why is that important? That's important because if you let them in your house, even though you're trying to witness to them and maybe lead them to proper truth, what your neighbor might do is they see these people coming in your house. They might let them in also. And then they might, you, then all of a sudden you're going to have a Jehovah Witness Mormon neighbor. So don't do that. Don't even let them in your house. And here's the next principle I want you to see. If we're going to be people that walk in truth and abide in truth and live in truth, walk according to the truth, we need to be people, very important, that people who protect our homes from false teaching. You know that if, if you go to these cults that are false teaching groups, you know who they're primarily made up of? They're people that grew up in church but didn't learn God's word well enough to not be deceived by these false teachers. They let them in their homes, and now they become part of the false teaching groups. Let's protect our homes from that. Let's not go there. And by the way, let's also protect our homes from false teaching coming into our homes from TV or radio too. There's a lot of stuff on TV. we got to be careful not to be broadcasting into our homes because I tell you what, I know we know our word here at Calvary Chapel, but we still don't want to sit under any false teaching that could potentially uh, plant seeds of false teaching in our lives. Protect yourselves from that. When I'm watching TBN or one of these other stations and someone's preaching, as soon as they get off about Christ or they get off about theology, I'm turning the channel. Because even though I've been studying the word now for over 40 years, I don't want to sit under false teaching, and I don't want false teaching coming into my home either. Protect yourselves from that. That's a part of walking in truth, right? And that's what he's saying here. Don't let these people even into your house or into your home. Protect your home from these things. And then it goes on in verse 12. Having many things to write to you, I don't want you to do, I don't want to do so with paper and ink. But I hope to come to you and speak face to face that your joy may be made full. The children of your chosen sister, that's the church that John's at, greet you. Now, last thing I want you to see here. He's saying, I'm going to keep this letter short because really I want to come to you in person and see you face to face to impart more truth to you. You know what? There's a connection that happens only through fellowship that's important. One of the fears I have about this whole coronavirus thing is it's pulling people out of face-to-face connection and fellowship. Let's get over that. Amen, church? Let's get back to fellowship and connection with people because we stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Don't forsake our own assembly together as is the habit of son. Let's keep encouraging one another, especially as the day draws near, right? We really need to be together in these last days. That's what the scripture is saying. It's very important. And I'm so glad we're getting over the, I think, over the tip of the problem with this pandemic. I'm so glad we're getting back to seeing each other face to face because there's power. As iron sharpens iron, so we sharpen one another when we're together. There's a stimulation. We spur one another on to, to love and good deeds as we're together in Jesus' name. I tell you, our lifeline for walking in the truth is, is fellowship. The early church 
continually devoted themselves, yeah, to the apostles' teaching, which is the word of God. Yeah, to prayer. Yeah, to breaking of bread, which is communion. But also they continually devoted themselves to fellowship. They were always together. Actually, the early church, day by day, they had a daily fellowship going on. Day by day, they were breaking bread from home to home. Face-to-face fellowship. It's part of the thing that helps us walk in truth. Okay, that's, that's second John. Let's jump into third John. You ready, church? Okay, here we go. Third John. The elder, that again is John, to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in what? There it is again, truth. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health, just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and bore witness to your truth. And that is how you're, again, here it is, walking in truth. And I love verse 4. I have no greater joy than this, to hear my children are what? Walking in truth. That's the heart of a pastor, by the way. One of the things that turns you, the crank of a pastor's heart is to impart truth through God's word and then to see through the years those children, those spiritual children, walking in truth. It's wonderful. It just, woo, gets your heart going, man. And I've had the privilege the last 35 years of ministry to lead a whole bunch of people to Christ, and, and it's been fun. But one of the fun things about leading people to Christ is to see them decades, 10, 20, 30, 40 years still walking in truth. You know, um, there's no greater joy than that. I was, it was interesting, in our first church, <laughs> our first church I, I had, uh, I was in Oceanside, California. It was right by Camp Pendleton. How many people know Camp Pendleton? It's uh, hurrah, it's uh, Semper Fi, it's 45,000 jarheads, no, I won't say the jarheads, I said it. It's, 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 it's Marines, man, and I was 24 years old when we started the church, so I, I, needed, I needed people to help start the church, and so I, I did everything I could in reaching not only the community, but these Marines, and I had, I had, in, I had in this first church, I had four drill instructors coming to our church at one time. And then I made the mistake of taking one of these drill instructors, the most intense of the four drill instructors, Joe Gaither was his name. I made, and he wasn't even saved yet, but I, I, his wife, he had a drug problem actually. You know what the drug problem was? He was married to a pastor's daughter. And he was lost, but his drug problem was she drug him to our church every week. And he'd, he'd sit, when this drill instructor, Joe Gaither, he'd sit out there while I'm teaching, and he has his arms crossed. And in my heart, I'm thinking, this is Scarface, because I don't know what happened to him, but he had a scar on the side of his face. And he was giving me that drill instructor look, like, just try to teach me something. So you know what I did? I uh, started a church softball team, and I made him the coach. Because he was on the all-star Marine, Camp Pendleton, uh, all-star Marine base uh, softball team. And he was good. And if you know me, I like to win. So I made this guy that didn't even know the Lord yet that was coming to our church and was married to a pastor's daughter that drug him to our church. I made him our softball. That was a mistake because we got out there and there's 40-year-old guys on this church softball team and Joe Gaither's like, and he's yelling at these 40-year-olds like they're 17-year-old recruits. True story. I actually had to take him one of the practices and throw him against a chain link fence and say, Joe, we're not your recruits. 
lighten up, man. And he did a little bit. But Joe, as he came every week, and we got, we got in the Word of God, Joe came to Christ, and his whole life changed. And he had a little bit of a dilemma because he was on the all-star Marine softball team, and they were going to, like, all-star games in Vegas, and it was, it was a challenge for him. But I saw this process of him coming to Christ and his life changing. His words even changed. I remember when he first started coming, he was coaching softball. I had to say, stop yelling, but also stop using those words. But his words even changed, and his life changed. You know what? I looked him up on Facebook this last week. And look at the profile that he has on his Facebook now, 40, 35 years later. I, Joe Gaither, love Jesus with all my heart and soul, which helps me love my wife, Sherry, and my family. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, I, my eyes started to, to mist a little bit when I read that. There's no greater joy than to see children of God walking in truth. Amen? Amen. And so that's the next principle on walking in truth. Be people who bring joy to others by how you're living and not grief. You know, the other way goes, the opposite's true too. There's no greater joy than seeing people walking in truth that you've shared truth with, but there's no greater hurt sometimes to see people you share truth with that have come to the truth, and then they derail and they go away from the truth. That can break the heart of people too. So, hey, live in truth so that you can bring joy to people instead of grief. Amen? All right, let's go on now. Back to uh, Third John. Beloved, you're acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when there are strangers. And they bear witness to your love before the church, and you do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to what? Support such men that we may be fellow workers, notice, with the what? With the truth. Here's the next principle, and this is the reason why he wrote 3 John, is it flip-flopped. It flip-flopped because in 1 John, he's saying, don't let false teachers in your home. What they were doing was, in 2 in, in, in in John, what they were doing was there was apostles, there was prophets, there was evangelists that were traveling around the Roman Empire. And, and, and what was happening was the false teachers were, were kind of disguising themselves as some of these pastor teachers and, and saying they were evangelists, whatever else. And, and they're saying, no, second John, don't let them in your home. Don't support these men. But now in third John, the true apostles, the true prophets, the true evangelists, the true pastors and teachers were coming. And they're saying, but support these guys. Let them in your home. Put them up. Show hospitality to them. Even financially support them, I think, is what he's saying there. Because these, these guys are building the foundation of the New Testament church by being apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And we need to support these guys. And what he's saying, as you support them, what he's saying is this. He's saying, you're doing the work with them. It's wonderful. This is the next principle on truth is we need to be people who support true teachers of God's word and bring truth to the church. We had the Gideons here a couple Wednesday nights ago. It was awesome. And I'm always, you know, a little, I, when, we, when I give a service to someone that's not a part of our church, I'm always a little bit, oh, I wonder how this is going to go, right? 
And especially the Gideons, it's becoming a lot of elders too. There are a lot of older guys. And we have some high energy usually on Wednesday nights. I'm going, oh, I'm wondering if this guy is coming from the Gideons is going to come and just go, you know, we would be like that on Wednesday nights. The guy that came was awesome. And it was really cool because he shared how Gideons are bringing God's word, God's truth around the world. And it was really cool too because he showed a video. And in the video, one of the testimonies in the video that they use internationally around the world was a guy by the name of Ryan Reese who's Raul Reese's son that was prodigal, and he was doing heavy metal rock concerts and promoting them and traveling around the world with these rock concerts and doing drugs and was just a total mess, not walking in truth. And then he was, ended up in a hotel room all night, staying up all night, and he found a Bible in his hotel room. It's a Gideon Bible. And he read it the whole night and gave his life back to Christ because of the Gideon's Bible that was in his hotel room. And he shared that testimony on the Gideon testimony. It was awesome. But it was wonderful because they shared that with us on Wednesday night. And then I just shared, you know, guys, whoever feels led, let's support the Gideons. Let's see what we can do tonight just by, we don't take offerings, but we got a tithe box back there. Let's see what, let's, let's get some Bibles for these guys and let's support them in their truth. And I thought, yeah, we might raise a couple hundred bucks on Wednesday night, right? $2,500 was given that Wednesday night. For Bibles. That's awesome. And I wasn't like, give to the Gideons. No. Where God, guys, God provides. But that's a part of walking in truth is we support the truth. We support those who are workers of the truth because we want to we be a part of their work, right? And we're doing that all around the world, by the way, too. You know, Pastor Francis just left and he's down in um, um, Central America. And thousands of dollars are going his way. And we're supporting him with the truth. As we're doing the work in Central America, even though we're not there, because we're helping him. Uh, we're helping him with the truth and the giving towards what he's doing down there. It's awesome. So now let's go on. Verse 9. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. Now this guy's a real piece of work. We'll talk about him in just a second. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, Diotrephes' deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words, and not satisfied with this, neither does he himself receive the brethren. He forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. Beloved, don't imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Now here's the second character he's talking about. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself, and we also bear witness, and you know that our witness is true. And he, he concludes the letter the same way he did with Second John. I had many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we'll speak again. What? Face to face. And I like how he ends it. Peace be to you. The friends... That's who we are in Christ, too. We're not only brothers and sisters in Christ. We're friends. We're friends. And the wonderful thing is we're not only friends. Jesus has called us his friends. Greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. We're part of that friendship with Jesus, and we're friends with one another because of that. And then it says, greet the friends by name. Now, closing out here. Last principle for walking in truth is be people who have godly examples in your life, who you follow. And he lists two people here, Diotrephes and Demetrius. Diotrephes, like I said, piece of work. 
This guy was not godly at all. He was not only not godly, but he got himself in a position in the church where he's leading in the church, right? But in that leadership, when traveling apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teachers would come in, he says, we're not going to host you. I'm the only one that has the right to teach this church. Because he put himself first rather than being a servant of Christ. And not only that, he was kicking people out of the church that was hosting these traveling teachers, the true teachers of God's word. Man, why was, and the thing that blows me away is he said, and this Diotrephes won't even listen to me, the apostle John, about receiving these prophets and evangelists and teachers. Listen, John was Jesus' best friend. John had been discipled by Jesus for three years. John, you know, ate dinners with Jesus. John was taught by Jesus Christ. He was an John was an eyewitness of the resurrected Lord. Not only that, he is the one that went on to write much of the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. He wrote the book of Revelation, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And you don't listen to him? Woo, that's, that's trouble right there. And so this Diotrephes, he says, don't follow his example. Bad company, What? Corrupts good morals. Get those people out of your life that are bad company. Interesting, uh, this diatrophies, there's still a spirit of diatrophies in some churches today. Be careful with that. Be careful who you follow. And if someone is dictatorial, if some, hey, pastors are supposed to be servants, man. The very word minister means one who serves. And if, if, a, if a leader is dictatorial and is telling you and forcing you under his leadership and doing kind of manipulation and doing, doing stuff that just is putting him first and, and shutting you down and even doing ministry, be careful of that. I was reading about a pastor out west. He had a huge church in, in Seattle, Washington, and he got in trouble because he was bullying everybody in the church. He was, he was, he was not only that, he was, he was doing stuff that just was manipulation and everything else. And so he had to resign from that church. The elders had him resign. And then he moved to Phoenix, started another church, and he's got the spirit of diatrophies because in this church now, what he's doing is he's, he's rating people's loyalty from 1 to 10 in the church. And, he's, it, and, and he actually has a rating system of, of loyalty. And not only that, he's got a surveillance going on, on with people that aren't being loyal to him. I don't know if it's a private detective or what, but he's having people being followed around that aren't being loyal to him. That's the spirit of diatrophies. Hey, I, I'm Dutch. I'm too cheap to do that anyways. Hire a private detective to follow and then rate people on loyalty? Come on, man. That's the spirit of diatrophies, right? Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't follow people like that. The key to leadership in Jesus' kingdom is not manipulating or controlling people. It's serving people. Jesus said, the greatest among you shall be a manipulative, dictatorial, authoritative leader. No, the greatest among you shall be a servant. For the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Hey, I am just a servant. Don't put me on a pedestal because I don't want to go there. I just want to <laughs> be like my Savior and wash feet, man. Now, if you come with dirty feet, I'm going to pray about it, but I'll still wash your feet. <laughs> but that's... That's, that's, that's the example we want to we follow leaders that are of servant hearts. And that's what he's saying about Demetrius. The last thing he talks about is Demetrius. 
He is the one that has a good testimony by the church of Jesus Christ. He is the one that's not just talking the talk, he's walking the walk. And he's saying, follow that guy and not Diotrephes. That's the last principle. Have godly people in your life that you follow. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said, hey, basically, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. He says, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. That's important. It's important to have servant people in your lives that are godly, that have a good testimony that you can look to and you can learn from and follow. When I came to Christ, the guy that led me to Christ, Bruce Barkley, loved that guy because he was living it. He was the real deal. I mean, he loved Jesus, lived for Jesus, and was serving Jesus, even as a teenager. And the more I get around that guy, the more I loved it, because the more I learned from his example, and I followed his example. I remember standing in line with him at a movie theater, and as we're at the movie theater, he's, he's talking to people in front of us, he's talking to people behind us, and trying to lead them to Christ. I'm going, Bruce, we're at a theater here, and he's leading people to Christ in the line. I remember that, that he had a girlfriend. Actually, his girlfriend was the sister of my girlfriend. At the time, we'd go on double dates. And uh, I remember him, even in his relationship with Jane Taylor, his, his girlfriend, he maintained purity. And he worked hard to maintain purity as a teenager in his relationship with Jane Taylor. I watched that. I remember his love for God's word and just being in God's word and starting his day in devotions and quiet times. We'd go on motorcycle trips and we'd be at a retreat center. And I couldn't find him in the morning because he's out by the lake with his Bible open reading God's word and studying God's word and praying as a teenager. That was an example that I looked to and I followed. And then Dr. Dave, another guy, a Bible college professor. I remember having him in my life as a brand new Christian and Friday night Bible studies with him and then getting discipled by him to the point that he brought me in his home. And I remember being in his home and watching him in his marriage. He loved his wife as Christ loved the church. I'm going, I want to be like that someday. I want to I love my wife the way this guy loves his wife. And then I remember also him having teenagers in his home. After he worked all week long, you'd have teenagers in the home on Friday night serving us dinner. If you feed them, they will come. And he'd serve us all dinner, like 30, 40 teenagers, and then he'd spend his Friday nights teaching us God's word. And I remember watching that godly example and saying, I want to be like that someday. Where my home is going to be open to people. I just want to serve the way this guy serves. And then I remember as I got in the ministry, meeting Pastor Chuck, the founder of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and going to the senior pastor conferences out at his retreat center on uh, Marietta Hot Springs. And I watched that guy like a hawk. And there was a thousand pastors there, but I kind of followed him around. And he was probably thinking, who is this bald guy that's following me around? But I did. I followed him around. I'd watch the way he'd interact with pastors, the way that he'd lead us in worship before we'd all eat dinner at the retreat center together, the way that he'd take time before and after all the sessions we had. And this guy was, by this time, in his 70s. And he would take time before the sessions and after the sessions. He wouldn't disappear. He'd be just hanging out with pastors and praying for us and talking with us and ministering to us. And I said, I want to be like that guy. That's the example I want to follow. You see the importance of having people in our lives that we can look to? And we can say, hey, I'm going to follow them as they follow Christ. That will help you walk in truth.
Amen? Six principles, what did we learn this morning? Be people who know, abide, and walk in truth. Number one, be people who love others and walk in what? Love. Number three, be people who protect their homes from what? False teaching. Number four, be people who bring joy to others by how you're living and not grief. Number five, be people who support true teachers who bring truth to the church of Jesus Christ. Number six, be people who have godly examples in your life who you follow. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that your word is truth. And thank you, God, we shall know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Thank you, God, that as we walk in your truth, as we abide in your truth, as we go in the direction of your truth, you will bring favor upon our lives. The blessing of obedience will come because we're choosing life and not death. We're choosing blessing, not cursing, as we walk in the truth, Lord. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that when we get derailed, we go in directions that aren't directions of truth, Lord. I pray that we'd be quick to use that master key that gets us back into that place of obedience, and that's the key of a repentance, Lord. And Father, I pray for anybody that might be here this morning that has derailed. They've, they've not been walking in truth lately, Lord. I pray that they'd get back to that place of repentance and turning from going the wrong direction back to going the right direction, a U-turn for Christ. I pray that they would see that, God, that if they go back in the right direction, if they repent and they get back to walking in truth, they get off that exit, Lord, that your grace and your mercy will meet them there and they'll have peace again. Grace, mercy, and peace. And Lord, I pray that we be people that determine in our hearts, just as Daniel in Babylon purposed in his heart not to defile himself in a wicked and evil place, I pray that we do the same, Lord that we would purpose in our heart not to defile ourselves in this Babylon we're living in the world today. And help us to be, Lord, people of truth. Help us to live in that freedom of truth, Lord. Help us to be people that say, I'm gonna, I don't care what the rest of the world does. I'm going to walk in truth. I'm going to abide in truth. I'm going to know the truth. And I'm going to walk in it. Thank you, Lord, so much that we have the sword of your spirit, your word here, that equips us in righteousness and shows us the way, the way of Jesus as we study it, Lord. Now, Lord, help us not just to be people that hear this word, but help us to be people that do it. Help us to be people that don't just talk the talk, but we walk the walk as we live and abide and walk in this truth, Lord. Bless our weeks this week, Lord. Help us to be people that are the salt and the light of the world, Lord. And I pray these things now in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.